This podcast is not suitable for work. If you're under the age of 18, kindly and with all due respect, get the fuck out. I mean it. Go on. Bye-bye. Mm-mm. See you later. This isn't for you. Nope. Mm-mm. America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're in bondage or we're wearing leather or being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, American Sex, with Ken Melvoin Berg and Sonny Megatron. So, Ken? Are you eating a donut? Like, why are you panting? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Did you ever, when you were younger, get a, a phone call where someone on the other end was like they are probably jacking off? Yes, actually, I have. Really? Tell Mm -hmm. me. I was about 13 years old. I was sitting at my house in Grand Rapids, Michigan, had just gotten back from uh, junior high school, and somebody called the house, and I'm guessing they thought my mom was going to answer, and it was me that answered instead. My mom was running a daycare at the time, and I picked up the phone and uh, answered it very politely, and on the other end was somebody going, (sighs) yeah, get it, get it. And I'm like, may, may I ask who's calling? <laughs> you kept going. <laughs> well, I was told to always be polite to people on the phone, and I took that very literally. I mean, I'm, I, you know, <laughs> I didn't know what. When else. did you figure out he was jerking off? Um, actually, I don't think I figured it out until the following year. Like, I, I remembered the then call. How did you have a whole conversation? <laughs> like, how did what? it end? How did it end? I, I'm assuming with him splooching all over the place. Just like I didn't know what was going on on the other end of the phone at that time. It never occurred to me that somebody would be calling and jacking off. Huh. Why the fuck are you asking this? Because it just occurred to me that today. Thank you for making me relive the closest thing that's ever been like rape. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Except, no, wait, wait, except for my doctor. When I was a kid, my doctor felt my balls when I went in for, there was a uh, small cyst that was on my arm. He felt my balls. I went in for something with my knee, felt my balls, went in for something with my um, skin, you know, like an acne thing. He felt my balls and I didn't think anything of it, but yeah, that was. Oh, well, well, I I was thinking. I just thought he was doing. Before we went to Dr. Balls, (laughs) (laughs) it dawned on me because now we're like, in the day and he age, didn't buy me dinner or anything. Not, I, nothing. Just <laughs> no. In the day and age right of the, the dick balls. pic, 2018, we I get assaulted with dicks all the time, and it dawned on me that that was the the pre internet version of the dick pic. Oh was, yeah, because it was anonymous. Was the jack off phone call. Yeah, that was as close as we had to an anonymous dick pic at, at that time, I guess. Oh. Hi everybody, I'm Sunny Megatron, <laughs> and I'm Ken Melvoin Bird, and this is American <laughs> Sex. We're we're we're. we're what are we doing? Reliving our weird my almost rape fantasies. Yeah. This didn't start. Or not out fantasies, like how but my I almost rapes. Sorry, Ken. You know, I didn't really think anything of either of those things, and I realized much later what they were. And the doctor. Oh, now this is the weird thing. 
didn't try to jack me off, didn't stick anything up my butt, didn't do anything, but it was always grabbing a hold of my balls, turned my head to the left and cough, and he was checking for hernias when I went in for assist. Like, So I have two thoughts there. It could <laughs> yeah. have either been like, yeah, no, he's like, no, doctor. no, 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 let me finish. It could have been A, he's Dr. Creepy Balls that just wants to touch your that's, balls. That's what he was. But B, could he have be one of those people where he legitimately thought like your balls are the center of the universe? <laughs> like maybe he was like They're a misogynist. Like my universe, but no. He, but like no. balls have to do with everything. Like like it used to be, you know, quote unquote, lady problems have to do with like your uterus and your hysteria. and. Okay, but wouldn't it follow that the same physician, if my sister was seeing that physician, that something funny would be going on with her as well if but, Genitalia was the no, center no, no, of the no, world. No. No, Genitalia's in the center of the world. Balls are the center of the world, and she didn't have them, so she didn't matter. Who okay, cares? This is the most non-medical thing I've ever heard in my life. Are you basing this on any fact no, at I'm all? I'm just basing it on like weird doctor brain. Who who bullshit is what you're basing yeah. it on? No, no, yeah. no, none of that is true. He just wanted to feel my balls. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I want to feel okay. your balls though. Okay. <laughs> Are we doing a medical scene? I turn my head to the left and cough. Yes. Doctor, doctor. I have a cyst. Dr. Gropenfeel. <laughs> <laughs> that's, by the way, that's where I got my name, Dr. Gropenfeel. His from, name was Dr. Gropenfeel? It was when I called him that afterwards, because I figured out years later that- To his face? No, no, oh. no. I never called it to him to his face. It just, it was, he's got to be dead by now, or either that or he's in his fucking 90s. But like when I went to him, and then years later after I was in the military, I'm like, that doctor felt me up. And I didn't know he felt me up. I'm completely oblivious. Wow. That never, I had a good pediatrician. His name was Dr. George. George. Dr. Gropenfield? No, Dr. George <laughs> George. And I thought that was so cool. Dr. George Squared. And then when I had the chicken pox, he, I got to go in a secret door in the back of the, this your Doc, like, Dr. No. Gropenfield went into a secret <laughs> no, door in no, the back no. too. I got to go in a secret door in the back of the pediatrician. They whisked me in like a yeah, VIP. They did. No, because my, I was with my grandma. They didn't want me to breathe. I was with my mom and Dr. Gropenfield grabbed my balls. In front of your mother? No, my mom was in the waiting room. Wait, your mom didn't go into the doctor with you? She was in the waiting room and I was in the, the doctor's office myself alone. Yes. Alone? I would never let my child go alone into the doctor's office. Well, this was the 1970s. Like, right. It's, Even in the 1970s, I never went in the doctor's office alone. I did. Huh. I'm a boy. Like, it wasn't really oh, a, it wasn't a thing. I, I'm a girl, and they know, like, girls. They weren't, they weren't really get, worried about it. Huh. I, it would never dawn on me to let my kid go alone into the doctor's. Everything was about my balls. <laughs> Everything's still about your I, balls. No, and I remember, no, because I remember I went in once with a sore throat, and I had strep throat. Felt my balls. <laughs> Needed a flu shot, felt my balls. Oh, I'm sorry, Ken. Why are you sorry? I don't know. It's, it didn't, I'm, I'm not scarred. I'm, I'm fine. Cool. Wow. <laughs> it's not a defining moment for my life. It's just a, oh my God, I didn't realize that he was feeling my balls. Kind of like, what did sexual. I realize the other day? Oh, this little piggy went to market. Didn't mean that the pig was going shopping. What do you mean? This little piggy went to market because they're slaughtering him and making bacon out of him. All the little piggies died, except for the what? little- What? Yeah, Are you making the, this shit no, up? The little wee 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 piggy ran all the way home because his fucking family was dead and he's terrified that they're going to kill him too. This little piggy went to market. This little piggy stayed home because they slaughtered him. And instead of put, didn't putting him in the market and making money for the family, they ate him at home. This little piggy had roast beef. This one got fattened up so they could eat him. This little piggy had none. Skinny bacon. And this little piggy's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. You're going to eat me too. And my family's dead. All the way home. Yeah. 
So I didn't realize that till just now. Yeah. Sorry. I just ruined your childhood in like two birds, one stone in this intro. Thanks, fucko. Yeah. Hey. What? I want to. I want. I want to welcome our newest Patreon supporters. <laughs> <laughs> now that we gotten all that out of the way, um, we got a lot of people that started supporting us in the last week. You know, and any Patreon supporters that want to can feel my balls because I'm kind of accustomed to it at this point. Really? No. Doctor Elders told a great story about she did tell story. Balls. Yes, and it's on our Patreon. Yes, it is. So back, back full but circle. Feeling my balls. Feeling but, your balls. But that's different. She was a pediatric endocrinologist, and, and she, she was, was doing it for a reason. And she was right. doing it for a reason. Oh, totally. She wasn't doing it because. He had a flu shot. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. So anyway, big welcome to Liz, Michelle, and Shadow. We give you our heartfelt appreciation for supporting us on Patreon. So listeners, don't forget, you can also hop on over to patreon.com slash American Sex to hear our guest bonus stories. And many of those stories are free. We just had a great story last week with Asa Akira, uh, one with Snow Mercy, and visit our Patreon page now to get the one with Today's guest, Dixie De La Tour, she tells a juicy story about a pitch black lights out sex party. And if you choose to support us monetarily on Patreon, you can get other perks too, like access to episodes early, bonus material, and occasional random bonus gifts. In fact, I will be mailing out a surprise thing or two to some of our January supporters. So those there's still time for you to be one of those folks. I have for sure selected a Scandal Red Room Bedroom Kit to send out to someone. I might grab another thing or two to send out to. So pay attention to your Patreon inbox supporters after February 1st. I'll select a person or two or whatever that I might send something to. And then are you going to feel my balls? Yeah, and I'll feel your balls. Oh, oh, and we wanted to, I wanted to give out a shout out to one of our listeners, Samantha. Uh, we were talking on another podcast, uh, on Don Sarah's podcast, and she heard us there. And I wanted to say hello, Samantha. So say hi to Samantha. Hi, Samantha. Thank you for listening, Samantha. Now, since we're telling you how to support the show, I want to throw in that your word of mouth goes a long way. Since we talk about sex, we're banned from advertising American Sex Podcast on Facebook on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we rely on you to... Wait a minute, that's not true. We can t- advertise all we want on Twitter. No, we can't. We can't? No. Are you sure? Yep. Okay. They shut down both of my accounts immediately when I applied for, for them. For fuck's sake. You okay. cannot... You can be sexy on Twitter, you just can't pay for But you for can show fuck fuck on Twitter. But you can't advertise it. You can't advertise for fuck fuck on nope. Twitter? Oh, yep. fuck. Yep. All right, and we rely on you to help spread the word, so please... Tell your friends, make sure you subscribe to American Sex on your favorite podcast player and rate and review us on iTunes. All of that helps us a ton. So big congratulations to Jeff, who won the American Sex Podcast sex toy giveaway last week, the December Congrats, giveaway. Congrats, Jeff. Yeah, we pulled the winner right on Facebook Live, and Jeff won a Lalo Sona provided by our sponsor, Castle Megastore. And Castle Megastore really classed it up for our January giveaway. We are currently giving away a Crave Vesper 24 karat gold vibrating necklace valued at $150. So head over to sunnymegatron.com slash Vesper to enter, and we're going to draw the winner on February 1st and then kick off a new sex toy giveaway sponsored by Castle then. All sorts of stuff. Giveaways every month, all the time. Sex toys for you. So listen, enter. Okay, I have a question. What? So so during that uh, Facebook Live chat, is that archived so people can look at yeah. it again? Because I was dressed up like a Pikachu yeah. and twerking. Facebook.com slash Sunny Megatron and look at our last live video. Slash look at Ken twerk. Yeah. 
dressed as a Pikachu. Now, people, don't forget, you also get 20% off your order at CastleMegastore.com when you use the code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, and do that at checkout. Thanks, Castle. So I am so stoked about this week's guest, Dixie De La Tour. Ken. What's her first name? Dixie. Normous. <laughs> Ken, tell us about Dixie. Normous. So Dixie De La Tour is a sexual folklorist, a storyteller, entrepreneur, podcaster, teacher, catalyst coach, a community builder, facilitator, and instigator. And that's just for starters. She's also a goddamn wonderful human being. I yeah. fucking love me some Dixie. She is also the founder, curator, and host of the award-winning sex and storytelling series, Body Storytelling. Called A Stiff Shot of Courage in a Push-Up Bra, Dixie is passionate about storytelling's power to connect strangers. A former sex party producer and dating site community manager, she founded Body Storytelling almost 11 years ago. Dixie has been sainted by the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I didn't know that. I want to be sainted by the Sisters. I love Sisters. That is so awesome. Congratulations. That's actually the biggest feather in her cap that I'm seeing on this by Saint Kiss and Make You Tell and is hailed as the originator of sex positive storytelling. Body has been called the original sex and storytelling series by Playgirl and The Moth for Pervs by LA Weekly. As a storyteller, Dixie Story is a fan favorite on the Risk podcast and can be heard on her own body storytelling podcast, which was selected by Esquire.com as a top five best sex podcast. You can get all the goods at bodystorytelling.com. And, you know, like calling body storytelling like a hit storytelling show does not do it justice. It's it's like transformative and moving and hilarious. And it is not something that's easily described by well-worded intros or us. It's just pure magic. So, And you have to go there to, to really figure it out. Also, she has Crystal, which I love Aww. Crystal, especially when Crystal takes her glasses off because that's her signal that I can slap her. Yeah, and just can. And just can. Yeah, that's my, just, just no, yeah, audience, you may not slap her. <laughs> no. Only I may no, slap no, no, her. No. Yes. <laughs> that is not a signal for you. Do not touch the crystal. Everything that comes out of Dixie's mouth is a beautifully told story. Dixie speaks in storytelling. She could tell me about a cookie crumb on the floor and I would be on the edge of my seat going through a spectrum of emotions and also waiting for the cookie crumbs to fuck because her stories are often about sex. I also want to give you a heads up that we do talk about sexual assault early on in the interview. So as always, I want you to be prepared for that if you need to be. So tighten in your earbuds, get cozy, get ready for a good one. I'll give you a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Dixie. Yeah. (laughs) What's what's this text message that you got once? Oh, yeah. You mean the filthy, filthy text message that I got that one time? Okay, wait a minute. Now, I have to to preface this with, like, I just have to say that this was... No disclaimers! No no, no, disclaimers! You you didn't ask for it. I I accidentally sent it to you. This is not a disclaimer. It's just a fact. I'm just saying. I'm so thankful that it was you that it was sent to, and that's all I've got to say. Are you thankful that you said to me, the next time you're at work, you are to go to the bathroom and start playing with your clit? I want you to think about what a whore you are this weekend. Wait a minute. What a whore you were this weekend. Apparently, I was a whore on a particular weekend. And jack off. And when you're almost ready to come, hold your breath until you have an orgasm or you pass out, whichever comes first, and then take a picture of your face as you're coming and send it to me. To which I respond, did you mean to send this to Dixie? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and then what did and I respond went, oh, back? Oh, fuck. I'm so sorry, Dixie. That last message just was not meant for you. And there's a lot of disclaimers after that. So what did you think when you got that message? I was pretty sure that message was not for me. I mean, <laughs> you know, I have certainly gotten a lot of messages like that. But I was like, Ken, that's new territory. Wow. I would have thought you warmed me up for that one. I, I, I went in dry. Sorry. <laughs> that's, I, I have no excuses. I just went in dry. There was no lube. I didn't buy you dinner first. But I, I am so thankful that it was you that it was you that that was sent to and not somebody else. Yeah. Luckily, you know, often. Because my mom's name is Donna and it's right next to Dixie. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It could have gone way where this could have been a body waiting to happen. <laughs> you know, what's really nice. I had saved your name because I usually don't save names into my phone. So often I get messages like that. And I'm like, who is? <laughs> and this time it said to Melvoinberg. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, not used to getting that. So I should ask what's going on. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. You, though, are the master of collecting outrageous sex stories. That was a good transition. It was good. Slid that right in there. All right. So at this part, I would have already read your bio like in the intro because we're, we're going all out of order with Dixie today. So you're the, the, are you the mistress of storytelling? What are you? The, what's your title? Uh, I have been called the grand dame of dirty storytelling. I have, uh, let's see, what have I, I refer to myself as a sexual folklorist because I love collecting stories and folklorist story collection, except our subculture, our collective subcultures don't really have anybody's collected them. We've been told to not talk about it for, you know, generations. So I'm like, no, I want to know. And I want it to be told well, not just confessional. I want to hear every single, like, it makes me crazy when I go to the movies and a sex scene starts coming up and then they start reclining. And then the next thing you see, they're smoking a cigarette. I'm like, that stuff in the middle, that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so your your listeners who haven't heard about body, whether, you know, listen, go listen to the Body Storytelling Podcast, go to a body, body storytelling show in your neighborhood, or even go like on YouTube and type it in and you'll see some of the stories and you'll know the magic and the transformative power of storytelling that we're talking about. But why Dixie... Are you the one who is compelled? It is your calling to get those stories. Why are you so passionate about storytelling? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story. And the story is, I was recently talking to somebody. Uh, and I realized this probably, I've been doing body for 11 years. And at about the two-year mark, I remembered this thing. And the thing made me go, that's why I can't stop this this that's why i am so consumed by storytelling for when i first found storytelling i just went oh my god this changed my life i love this more than anything i've ever seen but there wasn't any sex and storytelling out there because we're the original sex and storytelling series and when i started it as a sex party producer people went people will never get up on stage and talk about their sex lives and i'm like well you have not met my friends because they will the reason I realized at about the two-year mark, why it was so important to me, was when I was a kid, I lived in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. And this particular story happens when I was 11 years old. And I was running around the neighborhood. It's summer. There's nothing to do. And uh, as I'm driving around on my bicycle looking for anything to occupy me, I passed this old man's house down the road. And he's putting up 
saw horses and he's putting doors on them and he's putting all these plants on them and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm gonna have, I've got too many, I've got a greenhouse out back, too many plants. I'm just going to have a, you know, run a roadside stand and get rid of all these things. So I helped him set them up and he gives me a plant. He says, thank you for your help. If you have any problem with the plant, just bring it back. I'm happy to replace it with a new one. And so a couple weeks later, school started and I come home one day and my plant's got little bugs all over it. And I remember what he, Irvin Hartberger, had said. So I called down. He goes, oh, you got aphids. So you should bring it back. Come on down. You can pick any plant in a greenhouse, anything you want. And so tell my mom. She says, you can go after school tomorrow. Take your little brother, Butchie. And we go down to Irvin's house. And when we come in, his wife, who's got one of those old-timey rolling sets, Fanny Hartberger, she's got cookies made and she's they've just come out of the oven she's putting out a fresh cold glass of milk she sits my little brother down at the at the kitchen table and she says go on out back Irvin's waiting for you in the greenhouse and I'll have milk poured for you and cookies when you get back and so it's right about dusk and it's that kind of greenhouse that has like plastic over the walls it's just made out of like tarp material and so you can't really see very well And I'm just looking around like a greedy 11-year-old, just going, all right. He said, I can have any plan I want, so I'm going to get the best one. I'm going to get the biggest one, the most bang for my buck. And I'm just looking through everything in this dim light. And all of a sudden, he grabs me from behind. And he grabs my tits. And he throws me up against the wall, up against the plants. And I'm totally shocked. But, you know, at 11, I have boobs because I'm a fat girl. And I go running out of the greenhouse and I go flying in the back door and his wife the look on her face I will never forget it as long as I live and I tell my brother we got to go and he gives up his cookies and milk which it tells you how freaked out I looked and go home and he doesn't ask any questions and I don't tell anybody for like two years I don't say a word for two years I think I did something wrong I think that I'm I obviously sent a signal, and I cannot figure out what it is, and I must be a terrible person. And a couple years later, my Aunt Dot comes to visit from West Virginia, and she's like my hero. I love her. And we decide we're going to spend some time alone. We go get beans out of the garden, and we're going to snap beans together sitting on Grandma's front porch. And Dot grew up there on the creek, on Goose Creek, and so she knew all the people who lived there. And she's asking questions, how the oranges, oranges, how are the Leverns, how the Hartburgers, and I get really quiet. And I say, you know, Irvin Hartburger did something to me one time. And she stopped snapping beans. And she just looks at me and she goes, what do you do? And I tell her, he threw me up against the wall and he tried to fill me up. And she pauses for a second and then she starts snapping beans again. And she says, don't feel special. He did that to all of us. And I got so upset and went, if you had told us, if you had told us, then we wouldn't have had to go through that. I've been beating myself up for two years, feeling like I did something wrong. When that look that I recognized on his wife's face, that was recognition because he did it all the time. But I internalized it. I thought I was just filled with shame. And it was when I was telling that story at about the two-year mark, I realized, like, storytelling has the power to change lives. 
And the things that we don't talk about, that's what we should be talking about. Wow. So you've been doing body storytelling for over 10 years. Yeah, 11, 11 years next month. Wow. I can't imagine how many hundreds of stories that you have curated and helped develop and, and coached. And, uh, you know, I've, I've told stories, both Ken and I have told stories of body storytelling. Mm. And what people don't realize is behind the, the glitzy show where everyone goes on stage and tells their story is work alongside with you to learn how to tell a story you coach us through you like the story you just told I was like having chills I'm sure the listeners are gonna be like that was a damn good story they're gonna go back and rewind it and listen to it again so what what is that like when you're going and you're coaching people to bring out some of this magic have have you have some stories of people that just blossomed when you coach them well let me tell you a story about the last show I did, which was a couple weeks ago. I had a dream about a month ago, and there is a blind man who comes to my San Francisco show all the time. And he, I'll, he'll send me these lovely messages. He really adores what we do. And I always go up and say hi to him at the show. And I had this dream. And in my dream, I could see this man, Marco, on my stage. And... I contacted him on Facebook and I said, Marco, you were in my dream last night. And he said, what was my story? And I went, I don't know what your story was. I just remember the look on your face when you told your story at the end of it. I could see this look on your face and it was amazing. So he's traveling. It's the holidays, but we still find time. Like we have a very short window of time. And I wanted to talk about sex and blindness because that's something that's just not talked about, you know. And it turned out that he had not really, he'd not really processed the loss of his vision. It had happened three years before. And there's a, there's a ton of healing that comes from talking about things and shaping it into a story. It's like, I'm not the kind of person who uses the word healing a lot, but like, it's amazing what you see the storyteller get out of working on their story. It helps them create this frame for something big in their life. And that's usually what they're pitching me is a big moment. And so I told him I, I wanted to work with him and find this story. And he spent most of his time talking about the loss of his vision. And I'm like, well, it's body there's going to be content that's related to sex. And as I asked him questions, I learned that he had been in a monogamous relationship with a woman. And the woman, as he lost his vision, he had something that had happened to him in his childhood. And as a result of that, he had this, this loss of vision that started happening. And it took four surgeries over a year, his vision getting worse and worse and worse. As he's working on this, on this story, you know, he's telling me that this woman just kept telling him throughout those four surgeries, you're just, you got to get her. You're just got to get better as though it was something that he could control. And his vision went away one day as he was sitting at his computer. And this man's entire life was visual. He was a visual animator. He had a degree of celebrity with that. Um, all of his hobbies were visual. And as things had been happening over that year of four surgeries, they'd started teaching him the tools 
to, and this is where the coaching comes in. I ask the questions and go, what are the names of the tools? And, you know, how is it different as you progress over that year, those four surgeries and your expectations? And most people forget to put their emotional reaction into their story. And on the day that he lost his vision, he remembers what that felt like very clearly. But as I'm asking questions, he reveals that the next day, his girlfriend, Mindy, was his live-in partner. She was very jealous and she was uh, very protective of him and, you know, just expected it was in his power to have his vision come back. And his vision came back the next day for a few hours. And the last thing he saw was the look of disappointment on her face. And it was not disappointment in the surgeons or in the cancer that had caused the vision loss. It was disappointment in him because he didn't get better. And a couple weeks later, she left him. So now he's lost his job. He's lost his girlfriend. He's lost his roommate. And he's all alone. And he doesn't know how to navigate in this world of blindness. And he starts to play with the tools that they've given him to learn how to deal with the loss of his vision. And one of the things they give him is uh, something called speech to text, which will read him what the screen would say, what his computer would say. And so he goes on OkCupid and he is poking around and the computer is doing what Siri does, which is kind of like it's garbling the names. It's just ridiculous. Like, oh, that's not what they name themselves. That's hysterical. And then he gets to one name and the computer says, I try this. And he's like, that's strange. It read that one perfectly. And he realized it's written in camel case, which is like a programmer's language. So this woman knows about computers and he has the speech to text, read him her profile. And it says she's in an open relationship and she sounds really cool. And so um, they start talking and they decide to make a date and she's just super helpful. And so, you know, it's like, a really great first experience in dating as a blind person. And while they're at dinner, he says, what's an open relationship? And she says, um, it is when you can be with multiple partners and they all know about each other and there's no lying. And she's like, there's a book called Opening Up by Tristan Terramino. And you should read it. It would probably explain it better than I can. So he goes home that night. He goes on Audible. He finds Opening Up. He reads it cover to cover, and it just blows his mind. He had no idea there was a world where it wasn't about jealousy and people being each other's property. And so he and Amy just developed this relationship. And as his world is closed off, what it seemed like was, you know, his life was open when he had vision. It's been closed down by his partner at the time. And now his life is changing and should you would think it would be closed off because of the loss of his vision. Instead, Amy is opening up his world and teaching him about non-monogamy and open relationships. And he's been exploring for the past few years and coming to body storytelling was one of the ways that he started exploring. And it was really fun to coach his story because I really wanted to help him. You know, I mean, to help somebody process some, such a monumental story was, I felt like, I felt so honored that he would share so openly with me. And when he got to the venue, we had new problems we'd never had before, like 
mapping out the stage so that he knew where I sat next to him and how to teach him how to use the mic on stage and what to do with his white cane while he was telling his story and, and things like that. And he's on stage and he's telling this story and he's just telling it so beautifully. And I'm sitting there next to him with his cane ready to hand it to him at the end of his story. And he moves away from the mic and I mo- and he puts his hand out and I go to hand him his cane and I said, Marco, stop right there. You're getting a standing ovation right now. And that's when I got to see that look on his face, the one that had been in my dream. Like, I just watched him take it in, just like soaking it in. And I'm so proud of that moment. I just keep turning it over like, wow, that is what storytelling can do. You know, that is just amazing. And that gives me a really good transition into our break. I've got a little bit of a quote that I wanted to read. This is from uh, the book A Thousand and One Arabian Nights, which is a story about a woman named Scheherazade who tries to stave off her execution by telling more and more and more stories. And she's learning how to do this from a master storyteller who tells her this advice. People need stories more than bread itself. They teach us how to live and why. We're going to be back in just a minute with Dixie. Hey everyone, it's Dick and Max, the hosts of Off the Cuffs, a kink and BDSM podcast. A podcast for those in the lifestyle and those who are curious about it. Each week we sit down with a different guest to discuss their radioactive spider bite into kink. And it gives everybody a chance to express themselves in matters of sexuality. And a platform in which to express it. It's conversational, it's educational, and it's a lot of fun. More and more people have been reaching out to us telling us what they've learned about themselves just from us sharing our stories with each other every week. So find Off the Cuffs on iTunes or your favorite podcast streaming service and follow us on twitter and instagram at ocp kink castle megastore once you see their sex toys you'll want more i have no idea if castle megastore actually has a theme song but i really dig castle megastore so that's my gift to you castle your very own theme song and you listeners get a gift too if you go to castlemegastore.com and use discount code sunny that's s-u-n-n-y when you check out you will receive 20 percent off your order that's amazing castle megastore when you get your sex toys you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money you'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like oh my god give me water that was the best orgasm ever (laughs) that was so pro ken and it was totally an accident that was actually a, a quote from my facebook that i put yesterday because i was thinking about the my favorite form of storytelling is both actual storytelling, but also movies. And I want, I put a list of the 10 movies I want like Sonny and the girls to see before I die. Yeah. That was a little, and we're back by the way. Yeah. Yeah, We're recording again. Cause that was a good, let's leave it in. (laughs) You brought us in from the bake. You, you took us out from the break so professionally and brought us back (laughs) in so well, but that wasn't morose and I wasn't having negative feelings or anything, but it's just like, you know what? These are 10 movies that are important to me. And I wanted you and the girls to, to, if you want to know me, these are movies that you have to see. Oh, and I was a little bit like, oh my God, is Ken going to die? Why are you posting that? No, I was just feeling, I, I was, I had an edible and I was feeling modern <laughs> and sad. And like, I, <laughs> that's 50 milligrams of gummy bears. Holy shit. In two seconds. I of can't sad. do that because when I do that, I, I'm afraid, I, I'm constantly afraid I'm going to forget how to breathe. I'm like, what if I forget how to breathe? Oh my God, me too. <laughs> me too, really? Dixie. Oh, 
yes. Oh my God. I'm so, the same so you way. You haven't went out and bought your, your uh, legal Dude, weed yet? Uh, my partner has a medical marijuana. He's the biggest stoner in the world. If I want it, it's in my fridge any moment. And I'm scared of it because like I take CBD often before I get on an airplane, but yeah, I'm usually, if I have something with THC, I am just so stupid. Like my partner is six foot five and he gave me something with THC and I just started screaming and climbing him and going, the cops are going to break in. And he's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. And he's, <laughs> That's me. You know what? For, for fun or for torture, you and I should get really high and get locked <laughs> in a room. We'd freak each other out. Oh my God. Well, that would just be nice to have somebody for you to talk to while I pass out and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Great for Sunny and I to be in that room. We just chew each other's ear off and just. Everybody else go take a nap. Totally. Totally. So, all right, Dixie, you're a storyteller and a storytelling coach and a, you know, grand mistress, queen, whatever we called you of storytelling, because you are, you're all all those things. But are you, in essence, a therapist? You know, there is a thing called narrative therapy, and I kind of feel like I am one. Um, there's a lot of healing that comes from telling your story. It's amazing to watch somebody start. I've had people at rehearsal just lose their shit and you just have to go, this is a big story. You're going to need to process it. Or I, as we start working on it and they start freaking out, I'm just going, you have to decide if you want to keep going. I have people back out at the last minute because it's a lot. But um, I do feel like I'm a therapist a good deal of the time. I've been getting a lot of fan mail lately from people who say, I want to work with you as a storytelling coach because I feel like you're the only one who really understands that I feel like I can open up and confide these things. And then we decide together what's going to go on the stage. Like often they reveal something and they're like, holy shit, I didn't even know that about myself. And I'm like, You've got to make sure that whatever you say on stage that's going to end up on a podcast and may end up in a YouTube video, you've got to be okay with it. And it's got to be something that if it's a new revelation to you, you might not want to go there. I'm often surprised at how much people realize that the thing that they realized about themselves is going to help other people realize something about themselves. And that's what storytelling does better than anything else is it teaches us about ourselves through the stories that we hear from other people. And I have to say, you are such an amazing coach. Like, even though you are one of the best storytellers that I've ever heard, and this is coming from somebody like, I have lots of little jobs, all of which involve me doing storytelling in some capacity, but it's not the same kind of storytelling that you do. You are such an amazing coach that you're able to, like, see this figure inside of this big lump of wood and you carve a little bit out at a time and suddenly there's this beautiful statue that came out of nowhere and your ability to coach people into making bigger and better stories is just incredible and such a gift dixie thank you um i'm super super impressed with you i always have been and and you have great boobs and i have great boobs that is true yes (laughs) i I really, I really love that part where people are willing to just kind of like, all right, let's do, it's almost like dumping out your purse, you know, you just kind of lay it all out there and it's me picking things up and goes, so tell me about this one. And often people say, oh, nobody's interested in that. Like I had one storyteller the very first time he got on my stage and he is one of my favorite storytellers of all time. He tells for me, in fact, he contacts me now and he goes, what are the stories you've never had? Cause I'm going to go out and do those things, which I love. Cause that's, that's totally me. That's who I was when I got started. I was like, I feel like 
my life needs to be something so that when the day comes, when I don't have these opportunities anymore, I can say I did all those things. And so people go out and create like custom. Yeah. Like I'm going to have an experience just so I can tell a story. Yeah. And you would, you have to be a champion storyteller to do that last minute. Like I've done shows like on assignment for body where I say, look, this was something I did years and years ago where I would say, I'll help you write the personal ad. If you want to do a personal ad, I'll help you figure out the adventure, but I want you to have a fresh adventure in the next 30 days. And then we're going to work on coaching out the why you did that thing and put you on stage and you're going to tell that story. And it resulted in stories that didn't have sex in them, but they were Stories about feeling unworthy, you know, in one of the stories where they couldn't make the adventure happen. And it was just beautiful. You just sat there and cried and went, I feel like that too sometimes. And some people had crazy threesome domination, like all kinds of stories. And they were just like, tell me what to do. I love it when people do this. So tell me what to do. And I'm like, you don't want me to tell you what to do. You're going to be sorry you said that. And then they have a life-changing adventure. Dixie, are there stories in everything if you know where to look or or I mean it seems like you can like look at anything and be like there's a story there. pull it out like a diamond like covered with shit like oh no I saw a little sparkle wait let's dig a little there like are there really stories everywhere and we don't realize it like profound life-changing I learned some kind of life lesson story well think about think about two people going to the same party so let's say you got one friend who's kind of like the three of us that is just like, holy shit, you're not going to believe this. And they retain the details and they're willing to talk about the details. The same person, the, this other person who went to the same party, if you were to say, so what happened last night? I don't know, nothing. So did anything like, was there, did you happen to see this thing that Sonny, Ken and Dixie were talking about? Oh yeah, I saw that. That was there too. They just don't talk about it. It's a matter of like being willing to recognize things and then realize they're important enough to talk about because that stuff that you disqualify that you go, oh, nobody's interested in this. For example, the story I was about to tell you, which I got sidetracked by because I talked over myself. I have a storyteller named Jeffrey. Jeffrey, the very first story that he told on my stage, he was a gay man who'd never had sex. He was very religious, raised very Catholic, and he knew that not only does gay sex make you go to hell, but he felt that he was ugly and nobody would ever love him. So his goal was to live a perfect life and go to heaven and meet his grandma because he'd heard she was awesome, but she died before his birth. That was his goal for his life while he was alive. And one day, This very religious boy gets a message on Facebook from someone who is like, wow, you're so good looking. And Jeffrey's like, I'm not good looking. What are you talking about? He starts talking to the person. The guy's name was Jesus. So Jeffrey was intrigued. They get together and Jesus starts, you know, trying to make sex happen. They're in the parking lot of Jeffrey's church in his mom's van and Jesus keeps trying to make the action happen. Jeffrey's like, no, I can't do that. That would, no. And Jesus said, have you ever done anything for yourself? Like, have you ever thought about just doing something in your lifetime for yourself? And Jeffrey went, I don't know. And Jesus takes him by the hand and he leads him into the church, which unbelievably is unlocked. And they stand on the altar of the church and they start making out. And pretty soon, 
Jesus is shucking off Jeffrey's jeans and he's shucking off his own jeans. And at a certain point, he pushes Jeffrey up against the wall and he takes the belts out of both of their jeans and he ties his wrist to the wall. Think about that. And then Jesus blows him right there on the altar. He's tied to a cross. This is a very religious boy who was told gay sex makes you go to hell and he's having it in church. And when he tells the story to me, the story stops right there. And I'm like, so what happened? And he goes, nothing happened. I'm like, what do you mean nothing happened? He goes, well, he never contacted me again. He just wanted to do me. He didn't want me to do him. And I never saw him again. And I'm like, so what happened with you after that story? And he said, nobody wants to hear that. And I'm like, why? What is there to say? And he said, I was so filled with shame. I didn't have sex for years. And it was probably around the time he started going to body that he realized that there was nothing wrong with him. He wasn't going to hell because he was gay. And he he is the most sexually adventurous, one of the most sexually adventurous people I've ever met now. And he will contact me and he helps out at the show all the time. And if somebody falls out because of nerves, because it's a lot to process and they back out at the last minute in San Francisco, I can text Jeffrey and go, Got somebody falling out. He goes, what time is sound check? And he will go out and make an action, make an, an adventure happen in between the time I send him the text and before he stands on the microphone. And he's so good, I don't need to coach him anymore. Wow. He just, I just sit there with my mouth open going, holy shit, you just did that an hour ago. Good Lord. <laughs> you haven't even washed like the smell off of your mouth yet. <laughs> You are a professional story coach. How did you learn how to do any of this yourself? Was it a book that you read or was it just a self-taught technique? Like what was the thing that sort of catapulted you into the nuances of storytelling? Well, I don't know about the nuances of it. I've read a lot of books about storytelling, but I grew up in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. I spent my summers in West Virginia. What they often used to do at my Aunt Dot's house was they'd put a pig in the ground and do a pig roast. It takes three days to put a pig in the ground and cook it. So three days, they'd sit around, they'd drink beer, they'd take the dobro and somebody else would hand them the banjo and say, okay, I've been doing that long enough, let's switch instruments. And they'd tell stories the whole time. So I grew up, while everybody else was parked in front of the TV, I was sitting at the table listening to the stories. And they weren't stories about sex. They were just stories about people's adventures in their life. And the reason I'm a good coach is I'm a really curious person. Like when you tell me a story, I'm going to go, wait, let's go back here. So like, for example, the first time I coached a renowned sexologist, she's a naturally, naturally a great storyteller. And I would go, let's go back. First time that you did sex work, how much money did you make? You know, uh, what's the weirdest thing? Because that was my fantasy when I was growing up. I was like, one day I'm going to win the lottery and I'm going to buy, you know, I'm going to buy an evening with a sex worker. And people would go, why? What are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to interview them and ask them all the things that I ever wanted to know. Because they've got to have a super interesting life, you know. I figured they have access to things that I'd never even heard of and I'd get to learn through their stories. That was always my fantasy. And then as a sex party producer, I had access to tons of people who led interesting lives. And when I started Body, I would say, 
that story that you started to tell me at a party and then you got distracted because of the puppy pile that invited you in. I never got to hear the end of that story. In the beginning, it was like a, I've got one and people would get up and tell a story. And then as I fell in love with the art of story, I just started to learn more and more. And I was very shy about letting people know that, you know, if you're okay with it, I don't want to step on your toes, but I think we can make this story even better because when you told me this the first time, you said this and you left it out the last time and I would just help them start building their story. That's how I started. And then eventually I've just gotten such a reputation for being good at it. People now, you know, I don't have to feel like I have to qualify myself and go, if it's okay. Now I'm like, we're going to coach this story and it's going to be beautiful. So storytelling is super hot right now. When you started, you know, it may not have been, but now you listen to NPR, there's the moth or like the risk storytelling hour. There's all of these storytelling events and whatnot. And I've seen in the last few years, you'll see corporations starting to send employees like executives to Second City to learn improv yeah. or to learn storytelling. I, I, um, had heard somebody who was uh, a business person. They were like, you know, all of the really successful pitches that I've ever won, I use storytelling to emotionally appeal to whoever I was pitching to. So do you get like people who seek you out for businesses or actually they bring you into offices to do this? I'm starting to get that more and more. I just got booked to, uh, teach at one of the campuses nearby that, you know, is in a very affluent city. And I'm so grateful that people are starting to realize that I am more than just sex and story. My first love is storytelling. But um, if you can coach a story about sex, you can coach a story about difficult topics, you know, and people are starting to realize that we don't have to clean everything up, that storytelling is just a beautifully crafted story no matter what the content of the story is so i'm gonna i'm gonna back up i'm gonna do because a couple of times a couple of times you had mentioned your you know just kind of casually like oh yeah so when i was a sex party producer and i know there are some ears that perked up listening like sex party producer what what so what's a sex party producer and what the heck did you do as a sex party producer like expand you need to tell a story (laughs) well uh, as somebody who moved, I moved from Atlanta to San Francisco, God, I don't know, 25 years ago. And not long after I arrived, you pretty much had to have access to, you know, the underground. People would meet you and then we'd go, I've got a party you should go to. And it was very hard to find the sexual underground. And once I got in, people were like, you should come to my party. And so I fell in love with it. I just loved the sexual freedom. I loved the acceptance. Nobody's judging you at a sex party. They're all just going, that thing you just did with your butt, do it again. That was awesome. So I just loved sex parties. So not long after I went to my first few, I started producing them. I was the front door I was the first person that you saw at one of the biggest sex parties in San Francisco, Kinky Salon, which is now in like 13, 14 cities, I guess, maybe more than that by now. And my favorite thing to do, I was always the first person you saw at the door. And my job was to make sure that everybody understood the rules. And I liked to, when people would come in and they'd have this look on their face and they'd go, I've never been to a sex party before. I would just perk up and go, really? 
hmm, that's interesting. And I'd make note of who that person was. So pretty much every party I ever went to, I would pick one person. And then when my shift at the front door was open, over, I would uh, go find that person. And that person would be wandering around. And I'd go, hey, so tell me about yourself. And they'd look at me like I was hitting on them. I'm like, I'm not hitting on you. I just want to know. When you came here tonight, what's the thing you came for? And they just go, well, I don't know. And I'm like, if you could have anything, what would it be? And they go, oh, I don't know, to kiss a girl. I'm like, what girl? And then they, it's a young girl. And she'd say, that girl over there is really pretty. I'm like, I know that girl. And then I'd take, them, take her over and I'd introduce them. And then I'd stand back and I'd keep an eye on them to make sure. Because, you know, 25 years ago at sex parties, things got out of hand pretty quick and I wanted people to have good experiences so I usually would play fairy godmother for one person an evening I was just thinking that you like I was actually thinking you were the fairy fuck mother <laughs> <laughs> delivering fucks you know sprinkling fucks and the, and the great the thing about doing that is all of those orgasms that people get they attribute to you so it, you don't have to fuck all of america but you walk down the street and people go Dixie cuz they love you cuz they have a lot of orgasms associated with you and i'm like this is pretty awesome okay so that's not just me because as as a teacher as a sex ed teacher like Ken and i'll teach blowjob classes and prostate classes and stuff and we'll get people messaging us months later or like i'll get someone messaging me that i've never talked to before like my wife took your blowjob class and i just have to say you know or like i had this mind-blowing orgasm the other night and it's because of you guys and it is kind of, i don't know what it if it's a an ego boost or we're like you know the collector of other people's orgasms like a educational no, succubus we're or something of fuck. we're ambassadors of fuck okay All right. but it's such a good feeling oh it's amazing it is and everybody is just like I know people who go to sex parties and they just kind of like their their act of generosity is they go, that person in the corner, oh, nobody's going to play with them. So I'm just going to be beneficent and I'm going to go fuck that person. I'm like, you, you're a little bit better than I am. I think you're a better person than I am because I'm not going to do that. I'm going to help people get laid. And that's my superpower. I'm really good at getting people laid. I can get most anybody laid. And so what is the tagline of body storytelling, Dixie? <laughs> body gets you laid. <laughs> and and people tell you, like, like how, if you were to estimate the percentage of, like, new fuck encounters that happen at each show because the people were at your show, like, do you have any statistics? You know, I have never done statistics on, but I usually get a lot of email the day after a show to tell me, so I went to my first body last night and afterwards, like recently I had a guy pitch me a story and he came up to me at the show and he said, I pitched you. I don't know if you saw it and I hadn't seen it. And I said, so I had a face to go with this email that I'd done. I'm like, oh no, I'm sorry. I must have missed your pitch somehow. The next day he sent me an email and he said, so that was my first body storytelling last night. I totally get what it's about now because people have a different expectation before they come in the door of what we are. And then they walk in and go, this is what this is it's it's like night and day when they walk in they it's like church <laughs> it, it really it, it's like it church it it except it nobody's fun. going to hell <laughs> nobody's going to go to hell right. everybody just gets to focus on feeling good i mean who who made you feel good god so why is god going to punish you for that 
Right, right. Yeah. And when I say church, like people are like church, that's what no, I mean, like, like, the kind of church that souls my soul, you know, yeah. <laughs> like that kind of church, that yeah. kind of church. Yeah. And, and I'm not a religious person. I don't believe God gave you, you know, these things. But I know that a lot of people believe in God. And I don't understand why you think God wants you to deny yourself this thing. It's your body. It's pretty fucking awesome. Use it. Learn about it, you know. So I had this guy come and he said, hey, I, I went to your show last night. I had a great time. I totally get what it's about. And by the way, at the end of the night, a beautiful woman took me home and I had an amazing evening. And that has never happened at a storytelling show again. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. I get a lot of emails like that the day after the show where they get People just open up. It's not about the fact that we're titillating. It's about the fact that we're 100% real. Storytelling is about being real. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said about authenticity. I mean, yeah, we're we're not storytellers and we don't do that. But I think, you know, we are, I don't know, points on the same spider web. That's not a good analogy. But you know what I mean? We're little trapped moths in the same spider web of authenticity and sex positivity. You know what I mean? We're I like, like the way you like, said authenticity you know what is sexy. <laughs> authenticity uh, uh. Yeah, that was a little much but you know what i'm saying you know that is the undercurrent of what we both do when people become raw and authentic and honest with themselves and other people it's life changing it's amazing yes. Yeah. yeah. And you know, when you fall in love with somebody, you don't ever fall in love with someone because they're cool. You fall in love with somebody because they show this part of themselves that makes them look utterly uncool or shows, shows the real, the real deal. The part that the, you don't show to the general world, the part that you don't show at work, the part that you sit home alone and you go, nobody's around and you do that thing. And then when you see that, that's when you go holy shit, you are awesome, and you fall in love with somebody, that same thing is going to get you laid at a, at my storytelling show. People get real. I was just going to say, so this is a terrible analogy, but I, it sounds like sexual attraction plus fart acceptance equals good relationship, because if you accept somebody when they're farting, you accept all of them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're so adorable when you fart, Ken. This is why I love you. Thank you. How did you know, how did you know that you uh. loved, <laughs> how did you know that you loved Ken? Like, what did he do? Was there ever a moment that you went, oh, my God, he's the one or the five? <laughs> you know, <laughs> your lifestyle. He's, you know, I, I think it was like that you were so open and like the sex clown thing, the sex clown thing kind of scared me, but kind of was like, this guy's got the balls to be like, I'm a sex clown, loud and proud. <laughs> yeah. Ken, what's your clown name? Yeah. Uh, creamy. Cream with a K. Yeah, of course. You spell clown with a K. Uh, nah, generally I spell it with a C. Oh, my my, so my clown friends all spell it with a K. They're clowns with a K. Oh yeah, that's to differentiate the kinky clown from the from the regular clown. But I I do a little bit like I I've embraced clowning in all aspects of my life, so I I do a little bit. I don't know. I I, I try to use the traditional spelling. Yeah. So Ken, I'm going to ask you now. What made you love me? Don't say boots. Don't you know, say boots. No. No, that's that's not it. Um, what had made me fall in love with you is that when we were together uh, initially, it had been a year before we even said, I love you. Um, although I knew I loved you almost immediately because it was your intellect, your sense of humor, um, your attitude, your cuteness, your dependence and independence all kind of like mixed together. 
Hmm. Aww, I love you. See, Dixie, you just got us. Yeah, I think y'all are going to do it big time as soon as we're done here. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. So we can, we can wrap up the end of our hour because like we're almost there which is sad and everybody has heard about body for the last hour and they're like oh my god gotta hey, get me some body gotta spell Where it because nobody listeners... knows how to find it if they don't know how to spell it oh b-a-w-d-y body not body like body that's fine but b-a-w-d-y storytelling um, they can find us at bodystorytelling.com. They can find us on youtube.com slash bodystorytelling. Uh, we have a podcast, which was a top five sex podcast from Esquire magazine right out of the gate. And that's the Body Storytelling Podcast. And we're touring. Again, touring. That doesn't sound right when I say it. People in the South don't know how to go on tour because they don't know how to say tour. Um yeah, we got through doing East Coast recently. I've been back around home, and I'm going to do my 11-year anniversary show coming up soon, and then I'm planning to get back on the road. So if you want body storytelling in your city and you want to see it live, because I can tell you, there's a podcast, there's a YouTube, there's all of those things, but until you see it live, we have games to get you, like, get your party started. We have stories that will change your life and you're going to make 150 new friends by going to a live show. Storytelling just brings you together in this way and you understand and empathize and accept each other in this totally new way. You got to tell us about your amazing drink special at bodies. What is that called again? (laughs) Ken invented a drink called the clown fucker and we still got it on the menu because it's very popular. It is. People keep going. I love to walk by them as they go, clown fuckers are delicious. <laughs> yes, yeah, they, they are. are. <laughs> What's in a clown fucker can? You know. Jameson, ginger ale, a little bit of bitters, and some lime. Yeah, it's good. It's sort of like it's sort of like um a dark and stormy or a Moscow mule, but with Jameson instead of vodka. Yeah, and we have other drinks like the Schlong Island iced tea and the Sin and Tonic and... And all those things that are fun because there, there's nothing sexier than like walking up to the bar next to somebody very attractive and then you get to go, I'll have. And you get to order something sexy or they get to they get to go, can I buy you a drink? And you get to say, well, I will have a rim job. Thanks very much. And, and, <laughs> and, and I'll be thirsty afterwards. So give me a drink, too. <laughs> well, awesome. Dixie, thank you so much for spending this time with us and, and telling our story and telling your story, our story. Sure. Like and tell, tell your fans that I love biggest passion is helping people with story coaching. So Dixie at bodystorytelling.com If you're interested in working on a story, cause that's what I love best of all. Awesome. Thank you, Dixie. Thank, Thank you, Sonny. Dixie. Thank you, Ken. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. 
I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag SciChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.